Good morning. So we have some business to take care of this morning, and I think we should start with the obvious. Sam, would you like to come up and make a presentation to the church? And your first baseman, most likely MVP of the league, will stand next to you. No. We're not giving out awards. <laughs> uh, we had a great softball season, both teams. The B team was fortunate enough to win the softball tournament. So our, I think we started to do the math. I think this is our sixth season doing softball and our fifth season doing two teams. And it's the first time we won the tournament. So really excited. Uh, thank you for everybody that played. Thank you for those that came out and watched. It was an awesome season. And volleyball starts soon. So... We're going to win that, too. That's right. <laughs> you know, I was a very young uh, man who thought he knew what he was doing. I had no clue. I dressed up in a bunny suit for the Easter egg hunt for our kids. And... Uh, decided that I would give a special egg to the woman that I loved. And so I, I knelt down, and uh, all the kids were around, and I pulled my head off, and the kids screamed, and the parents got really PO'd at me, and it was just a terrible moment. And so uh, I got on one knee, and I asked her to marry me, and believe it or not, she said yes. Well, believe it, because we've been married a long time now. <laughs> I say all of that to let you know that over the past week, uh, a, a few things have happened uh, around us that this morning I woke up, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to go in a different direction with today's sermon. So... I want you to know before we start today that we're doing this together. I'm telling you that also because I want our slide guy in the back, Hefe, to know that just forget about all those. Uh, I was actually in the shower this morning. It's funny. I don't know about all y'all, but I feel uh, this is this is no joke. I know this is no. As soon as I say Greg, uh, whatever. So. <laughs> I've told people this before that I don't know what it is. I, th I think it's because of the quietness of the restroom. Is that what it is? I, I really feel the presence of the Holy Spirit there. I don't know. I know that sounds strange, but I'm telling you, maybe, yes, I'm wide. I'm open in front of the Lord. I don't know what it is. But <clears throat> I did feel uh, like like the Lord wanted us to go in a different direction today. So we're just going to go together. So I need you to bear with me and to understand that, you know, I really believe that when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, you just go. Uh, and, and you should know that um, while I do prepare uh, very hard for what I speak up here, because I believe that as pastors we'll be held accountable for everything that we speak. Uh, I do want you to know this is scary for me because we're going into uncharted territory here where the Holy Spirit is just getting ready to talk, and I'm excited about that <clears throat> because we're talking about love in a moment in our country where we're seeing a lot of hatred and uh, a lot of bigotry, a lot of racism, 
And, and quite frankly, as a man of God, it's scary. And uh, I don't like it. But in the midst of all of that, uh, we had an amazing moment in our family that really shows the strength of love and how love can overcome when it is in the right spirit. Because a lot of us don't even love right. You, do you know that? A lot of us don't even love right. We love with an expectation that we will receive. I give love because I have the expectation that I will receive love. If I know I'm not going to receive love from you, I'm not going to give love to you. Well, that in itself is not love, right? You, do you understand that? We're going to talk about things today that, that I hope you are open to. And I hope that you are, are able to, to see within yourself some of the ways that our love is broken. And because of that, some of the ways that our relationship as the church to the rest of the world is broken. And we have to begin to repair those before we can honestly reach people with the love of Christ. Does that make sense? Reaching people with love, I told you, I, I got in a bunny suit and took my head off, right? It, wasn't, it was not a good idea. Guys, in the future, I, do, I don't recommend that. I do not recommend that. I will tell you this, that <clears throat> there is one man who came to this church one time, and I brought him up on stage, and uh, I, have, I have not lived it down because I embarrassed him. I, I told him to speak his intentions for dating my sister. I don't know if you guys remember this or not. J.D. is here again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he came back, which we're all surprised about. Uh, but I want you to know that we asked him before what his intentions were with my sister, and we found out yesterday, didn't we, J.D.? Because J.D. and Jackie are now engaged. Yeah. And he was much smarter about it than I was. <laughs> I do want you to know that J.D. still has members of his family to tell, so please don't tweet or Facebook or social media that in any way. All of you who are very close to J.D.'s family. <laughs> I had to give that disclaimer. <clears throat> but, but what I want you to see and realize, and I know a lot of you experienced it, if you are sitting here as a man right now and you have asked a woman to marry you, just raise your hand. Okay, keep them up. Keep them up. How many of you, that woman is with you right now? If, if she's not with you, go ahead and put them down. She is with you. Okay, keep them up. How many of you are happy? Oh, wait, wait a minute. More hands went up. Go ahead, get them down. My point in all that is this. The pressure to be loved is as intense as the pressure to love. Some would say maybe even more intense. Because what you do in life will be driven by how much love you can receive in a lot of ways. The way you dress, how often you shower, what kind of job you want, what kind of cologne you wear, what kind of words come out of your mouth, what kind of actions come from your heart, most of us are driven by the love we're going to receive. I want you all to know, people, as your pastor standing in front of you, 
as a spiritual leader in this place, I want you to know that whenever I do something good for people, I think to myself, well, I wonder how many people are going to see that. Right? It, it's, a, it's a false sense of security in my head that presents itself whenever I do something good. Why? Because I want you to see it. I want you to go, oh, Pastor Brad did something nice. I want you to pay me more. <laughs> right? I mean, there, there's, this, there's this need for the attention that is drawn to me. And here's the problem with that. The problem with that is that the love of God has nothing to do with my love towards him. And that is crazy. Because I don't have to do anything for God to love me. Right? And you don't have to do anything for God to love you. Now, we have told you for years, and by we I mean the church, we have told you for years that you've got to be pretty much perfect for God to love you. And if you sin, God will leave you. Right? Now, we may not use those words exactly, or in some cases, maybe we do. But that's what's beat into us in our spirit and in our heart and in our mind, because we think to ourselves, if we sin, then God will not love us. And that's the furthest thing from the truth, because the Bible tells us that God loved you even while you were in your sin. So really, God's love for you not only has nothing to do with your love for him, it also has nothing to do with how you sin against him. God's love is God. That's the first thing we have to understand. It's not a human emotion. You can't win it and you can't lose it. It will be there from the day you're born, and it will be there on the day you die. God's love for you is eternal because God's love for you can only be explained as God. Does that make sense? All right. If we have that understanding, we can get started. Go to 1 John. Go to 1 John. If you're like me and you're like, man, which one of those few pages in the back of the book is 1 John? Just go to your table of contents, and it will tell you. <clears throat> I did that earlier, and now I have my little ribbon in there. 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> or if you're using your phone. or uh, Kelly, we can get that up, right? 1 John chapter 4. I told y'all, we're flying, we're at the seat right now. <clears throat> we're going to start, Kelly, in verse 7. New American Standard, I think is what I'm reading. The screen went black. That means we're ready. All right, 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. 
Beloved. What does it mean to be a beloved? To be loved, right? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is All right, we're going to do that over. You ready? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. All of that is what we just talked about. In order for us to declare that we are God's people, We must know love. If you do not know love, you do not know God. Because God is love. You follow me? Let's keep going. The one who does not love, verse 8, and knows God, for God is love. Let's go to verse 9. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God had sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the pro... Thank you. For our sins. Not only is that a big word, I can barely read these little letters anyway. Anybody else have a little letter Bible? Okay. Keep going. Beloved... If God so loved us, we also ought to what? Now, I'm not going to lie to you, one love. We're pretty good at this. We're pretty good at this, right? I could tell you story after story of people in this congregation who have been loved by other people in this congregation. If you, here, here, we're going to do a test. We're going to do a test right now. I may be wrong. I may not have a a finger on this congregation. I may not know anything about you. But if you have been loved by somebody in this congregation, just raise your hand. Okay, wait, wait. Look around. There are people who need love today. Take them to dinner. Grab them right now. Just hug them right now. Don't do that. Don't do that. They will leave. Look at verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. What does all of that mean? All of that means what we said just a second ago, that God first expressed his love to you. And the the expression of that love was the death and resurrection of his son for you. You see, it used to be, if you remember, we talked about this in Acts a little bit. It used to be that anytime you wanted to have relationship with God, you had to go into a temple. And what did you have to do? Sacrifice something pure, right? You had to sacrifice something pure, and the purity of that which you sacrificed dictated how much you love God. And God would bless or not bless your offering based upon how pure it was being brought to him. 
There was a relationship gap between you and God that had to be paid for with the sacrifice of a pure animal. And then God said, I love you so intensely that I no longer want the gap. And so I am offering my son in place of your sacrifice. And therefore, from now on, the communion between the two of us does not have to happen in a temple based upon the purity of that which you are offering me. But now the communion, the relationship between the two of us is as organic as you speaking to me through the Holy Spirit. That in itself is a gift of love. Let's keep going. Verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come now and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this... Love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. What is he saying? If you wear my name, then you will look like me. That's what he's saying. If you come into the world and are of me, then you will love like me in the world. And if you don't love like me in the world, then you are not of me. It's pretty black and white. And here's the best part. It is perfected in you. What God's not saying is, is listen, the day that you become a disciple of Christ, you're going to come into this lifestyle and you're going to get it all right. You're going to be able to love from the very beginning like you should be able to love. That's not what God is saying. What God is saying is, is if you are of me, then it is something in you that needs to be perfected, which means it needs to be increased in you, which means you're working on it consistently and constantly. It is something that continues to grow within you. And in the moment when you spot a speck of anything that is not love generating from within you, you change that in you. You pray that the Holy Spirit removes that from you. You confess that out of you so that you begin to continue to walk. Have you ever met a baby Christian and they were so daggum annoying to you, you could not get out of the room fast enough, right? They got hearts in their eyes and their butterflies in their stomach talking about how good Jesus is to them and You're just sitting in the room going, look, baby Christian, I've been a Christian a long time. I'm telling you right now, you got cliffs coming, (laughs) right? Have you ever had something good happen in your life and there's someone right around the corner that just wants to tell you that, hey, look, I'm glad that that good thing happened to you. But I promise you, little baby person, you got cliffs coming, right? I'm glad you got pregnant. I'm glad you found love. I'm glad. Oh, you guys are in trouble. I'm glad you got engaged, but there's cliffs coming. What if, as a body of believers, instead of being the one in the room that can't wait to get out, you're the one in the room that encourages it to go on even more? You see, what we have done is we have taken baby believers and we've beat them across the head with the world and we've said, trouble is coming your way. 
And so before you know it, there is a defense mechanism that takes over in your love. You don't love like you should love because you're afraid of the pain that's going to come when the cliff gets here. Instead of having full dependence and reliance on the God that you serve, the God who brought you here, the God that saved your soul, the God that sacrificed his son so that you could have communion with him, instead of having that security and that confidence, we stand as Christians in the church and we say, just wait for the cliff to come. Well, the next part of this scripture is the best part of this for me. Because it's the part that should condemn all of us. All of us who stand there as the cliff is coming type people. What comes up next is being presented for us in this. Don't even be afraid of the judgment. The number one fear in a lot of us, I just talked about it, is judgment. Now, even those of us who are saved... Even those of us who have been forgiven, even those of us who call ourselves disciples of Christ, is still back here, right? I just told you, I have to be very careful when I stay up here because I will be harsher than you. It's back here. I think about it. I know it's coming. And what God is saying is you should have so much trust in my love that even that doesn't bother you. That shouldn't affect you. Fear is not a part of my love. Let's keep going. What verse was that? 18, verse 19. We love because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? If someone says, I love God, and he hates his brother, he is a liar. Have you ever been called a liar to your face? How'd you feel? My mom, one time, I went in my high school years, I told, I've told you all hundreds of times that when I was growing up, I was a very selfish kid. I grew into a very selfish adult. A lot of what I did was because I needed that love and that affection. I've learned that about myself as the years have gone on, as, as I've become a wise grandpa. <laughs> <clears throat> but my mother one time uh, came into the restroom. I was about a senior in high school, and I had lied so much to my mom. Lied about what I did, where I went, what I was taking into my body. Lied, lied about everything to my mother. My mom came into the bathroom one time, and uh, she asked me if I had brushed my teeth. And lying had become such a part of the experience of my life that it was automatic out of my mouth. I used to tell people that if I lied and said that the sky was red, I wouldn't even know. That's how often I would lie. And so my mom asked me if I brushed my teeth, and I said I had, and I had. I still remember this. My mother spun me around, looked me in my eyes, and she said, you have lied so much to me that until I recognize truth in you, I will never believe a word you say. That was about brushing my teeth. No one. It was about a history of my lying to her. Now let me relate that 
to a history of the church lying to the world. My mother and father went to the Billy Graham Museum. You ever heard of Billy Graham? We all heard of Billy Graham, right? My mother and father went to the Billy Graham Museum. Billy Graham one time stood in Seoul, Korea, in front of 1.2 million people who were coming to hear a message that was simply this. God loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you so that you can receive him. 1.2 million people came to that place. Do you know why? It wasn't because of how oracle Billy Graham was. It wasn't because of how inspiring the message was. It was because it is the truth. And the truth draws people to it. For far too long, we have told people that you have to look a certain way, be a certain way, smell a certain way, and make the right amount of money. You got to hang out with the right people, do the right thing, and by all means, you better be tithing to your church. God is not going to love you, bless you, appreciate you, be there for you, answer you. The message is this. The reason that God loves you in the way that he loves you is because God wants to inspire you to love others in the way that he loves you. We can't make a difference for Jesus in this world if we love people in the same way that the world loves them. We can't make a difference in the world if we tell people as the disciples of Jesus Christ that unless they behave and get to looking just like we look, then they can't be accepted in this room. If you don't look, love, smell, or act, if you don't have the same skin tone or hair color, then you cannot fit into the kingdom of God in the way that we think it should look like. And therefore, we live love like a lie. And then when we become a church that is willing to accept and be open and understand and know that we may even have gay people come in here, y'all. Watch out. Because God forbid anyone who comes in here and doesn't love someone in the way that you love them or in the way the Bible says to love them, we should condemn them, right? Listen, church, I'm not, I'm not trying to stand here and tell you that we do everything wrong because we don't do everything wrong. The church has done a lot right. But what I am telling you is, is we've got to get back to the truth And the truth is that God loves them no matter what or where or what name they wear or think they are a part of. No matter what, God loves them and so must we. It doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth in what they do. It doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth in what we do. What it means is that we will stand here as disciples of Jesus Christ and love like God loves. Because if we don't, we are liars. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Verse 21. 
And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God love his brother also. Church, I told you that uh, <clears throat> I felt like the Holy Spirit was bringing the scripture to me this morning. And I, and, and I, I don't say that lightly because my notes are there on my wife. And it was very important today that I speak to you about baptism because we're having a baptism service next Sunday. we are not baptizing people in the truth. If we are baptizing people into a false belief or into a love that is broken, then woe is us. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, and I'm going to tell you as sure as I sit here right now, that God's love is the inspiration for the gift and the gift was the inspiration for the salvation. And the salvation was the inspiration for obedience. And obedience must look like God. Amen. And if it doesn't, we have to start thinking and processing what we need to do different as a church and as individuals in that church. Because you are the church. Don't, don't be mistaken. This building is not the church. This roof is not the church. This broken air conditioning is not the church. The sweat pouring down your back right now is not the church. I am not the church. Our core group that began this is not the church. You are the church. What the church looks like, how it moves, how it acts, and how it breathes is based upon what you do with it. Not me. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I know I play a major role. But I'm going to ride the ride that you guys are willing to go on with me. And I hope that looks like God. Will you stand with me? <clears throat> I told you that we have baptism service next Sunday. If you have not been a part of a baptism service in One Love Church, I promise you, it is probably unlike anything you've ever experienced. We're going to have a swimming pool out there, and I'm going to give you the, the rule that I give all families every year. I want you to listen to me, moms. I want you to listen to me, dads. If your child drowns next week, it's your fault. <laughs> no one is watching them. The pool is wide open. It will be right out here. Your kids will want to dive in there. Do not let them die. That would be a bad thing. Caleb, no dying tomorrow or next week. Or tomorrow. Don't die tomorrow either. Here's what's going to go. Here's the list of activities. You ready for this? When you get here next Sunday, come in here just like you were having church every week. We're going to have worship in here together. Amber, how blessed are we to have Amber and Nick? They're going to lead us in worship as you pour into this place next week. And then, right now, we have two people who are being baptized next week. It's not too late. If you're standing here and you've been thinking the last few weeks that you want to be baptized, rebaptized, in some way dunked under water by your pastor, you can still sign up. But I want you to know this. 
those two people that have stepped forward to be baptized next week, we are going to pour upon them a, such an unbelievable amount of love that they will never forget that day. They will never forget the day that they stood in public and said publicly that they are disciples of Jesus Christ and that their ministry starts now. We will pour upon them such love and affection that they will celebrate the day that One Love Church celebrated with them. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. Are they here? Uh-oh, there's one. Close your ears. Is CJ here? He's not here, right? <clears throat> here's what we're going to do. You're going to pour out of church, and you're going to get commands when you get out there of what, of what you're going to do. They're going to change in here, and then we're going to come out, and then it starts from around out. We have baptism service, and then we eat. Yes. Yeah. Brother Nate is cooking up some meat, y'all. Yeah. But it is upon you to bring whatever sides or drinks or whatever you want to bring with you and your family. We invite you to picnic out here. If you want to donate to the church, we will have tables that we'll set it on. If you want to let people dig into your mashed potatoes or whatever you bring, that's fine too. But it is a picnic style thing. So you got to bring your own food, people. Bring your own families. Bring everybody out. We got inflatables coming. Where's Zach Hoosier? Do not die, Zach. Zach broke his neck on an inflatable. Right over there. Not really broken, but it was close. Right over here. So men, yes, that's another announcement. These inflatables are for grown-ups too, people. That's right. Yes. Don't slide with Josh. He will kill you. So next week is all about celebration and fun. It is us as a family getting together and having a family barbecue. And I cannot wait for it. I'm excited for it. Invite everyone to come with you. This is the most fun we will ever have as a church. Dunking people in water and sliding down a water slide. It doesn't get any better than that. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in a world that is corrupt and in a world that we see pain and racism and bigotry all of the evil that is a part of the words that come out of the mouths of human beings. that Father, in the midst of all of that, we can see your love and know that your love will prevail and stand above and stand through and will always be victorious. And Father, in the midst of that, we know that we stand as a representation of you into the world. To Father, love those that maybe even the church has outcasted at some point. And so, Father, for that, we pray for your forgiveness. We pray, God, that we can stand as instruments of what you can do through love in our lives. We thank you, God, for the ultimate price of love, for the sacrifice of Jesus as our Savior. We thank you, God, for the forgiveness, the mercy and the grace, the peace and the comfort the joy and the laughter and the love that pours upon us at all times. Father, for that, we will forever be grateful. We will forever worship. And we will forever tell you how much we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.